Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he was predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that they have now been told you by those who have been preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Lorna. If you're in high school, Michael is going to take you through that passage in there. So you can go in there now if you like. Uh, Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. This word that angels long to look at. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us through it now. Renew us, transform us, change us into the people that you created us to be. And we ask this for your glory. Amen. A few years ago, people were really bored, stuck at home during a pandemic. And so someone went to Twitter and asked people to describe their jobs badly. You may have seen this online. People would just post what they do for a living in as unhelpful a way as possible. For example, there's this person whose job is, after kids tell me where it hurts, I push on the part that hurts while asking if it hurts. I think you've been to see one of these people. Or you have the person that says, I break into people's houses, soak all their things with water, And then they thank me for my service. We also have, I get paid to give people their own money. I tell people to smile, then I shoot them. Or the one that I resonate with, every week I get up in front of my ancient book club, try not to put them to sleep as I talk to someone who is not in the room. Now, I find these amusing. You can all go home and try and explain what you do as badly as you can. Uh, But the reason I talk about this this morning is not just so that you can feel the sense of futility in the work that you do. No, it's for something else. I wonder this morning if 
we sometimes badly explain Christianity without even trying. I wonder if we're sort of doing that sometimes when we talk about following Jesus. You see, it's really easy for us to talk about being a Christian while sort of missing the point of what a Christian really is. You see, quite often we talk about being a Christian in terms of the things that we do. I I go to church. I read the Bible. I try and be a good and kind and loving person. We talk about the things that we do. Maybe we talk about the things that we believe. the, The doctrines that we hold. I believe in the Trinity. I believe God created the world. I believe that the Bible is the true and infallible word of God. Or you might talk about the things that you value, you know, justice and mercy and the importance of family. We might talk about the things that we do, things that we believe, the things that we value. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. They're they're true. A Christian is someone who does these things and believes these things and values these things. But they're true in the same sense as it's true that a firefighter is someone who breaks into your home and soaks all your things. It misses the And so when Peter wants Christians scattered all over the Roman world in the first century, what he wants them to know, the thing he wants to remind them of, is who they really are. And who they really are is people who have been given a new identity. Take a look, I hope you've got your Bibles open. Take a look at how Peter addresses the recipients of his letter in verse 1. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, that's him, to God's elect. Now notice he doesn't address them as people who have chosen to follow Jesus or people who have elected to join a church. No, first and foremost, these are people who have been chosen by God. And that might be a troubling thing for some people to hear, but the Bible's really clear on it. Our experience is that we choose to follow Jesus, but you simply couldn't choose unless God chose you first. So Peter calls them God's elect, the ones that God chose. But then he calls them exiles. Now, exiles isn't quite right. Um, The word here kind of just means temporary residence. They're not being forced out of their home by war or something like that. But they're they're living in a place that's not their home. They're travelers. They're wanderers. And that's because these are people who belong somewhere. The places where they live, the Roman provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, these places are not their home. They're just passing through. They've been chosen to make living with God their home. So Peter calls them the elect, those who are living away from their true home. And then in verse 2, he says that these people who were chosen by God before the beginning of time are being sanctified by the Spirit, being transformed and changed day after day. And the goal of that work, the goal of the Spirit working in them, is that they might live in obedience to the one 
who saved them through the sprinkling of blood. Now, it's really easy to get lost here. Step back for a second and just realize what Peter is saying. He's calling these ordinary gods, people, individuals that God chose to be. He's calling the guy that lives next door to you a resident of heaven. He's calling the weak old lady someone who has been moved by the all-powerful hand of God. He's calling the child who's only been on this earth a few years someone whom God has been thinking about since before the beginning of time and will still be thinking about forever. This is kind of a mind-blowing expression of of who a Christian is. Not just a churchgoer, they're... They're all these things, God's chosen people. And brothers and sisters in the Lord, if you are a Christian, this is you. You are not just a church guy. You are a completely new person. You have a new identity. An identity that God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit are all working together to create. An identity that has been in the work since before the beginning of time and will continue beyond the end of time. This is who we are. But how do we get our heads around this? Remember a few weeks back, during the Queen's Jubilee, there was all this talk about little Prince Louis. There he is, acting like a monkey. And I reckon that kid could keep Australia in the conversation. He's just cute, right? But anyway, uh, when we saw little Louie behaving like any other little kid does, pulling faces, taunting his mum, we were reminded that he is just an ordinary little boy, right? But at some point in Louie's life, and I don't know when this happens or how it happens, but at some point, little Louie is going to have to get his head around the fact that he's not an ordinary little boy. He is quite unlike every other little boy. He pulls faces and he acts like a monkey just like every other little boy, but he's fifth in line to the royal throne. He's living a completely different life. Well, you know what? We're a bit like little Prince Louis. We go about our lives as if everything is normal, as if everything is ordinary. We work, we eat, we sleep, we repeat, just like everyone else. But this morning, the Apostle Peter is here with you. He's like one of the stewards in Buckingham Palace, and he is trying to help you understand you are not like everyone else. You are not ordinary. You've been chosen to belong to God. From the very beginning of time, he chose you. He set his heart on you. He lavished his grace on you. He poured his love on you. And he does that so that you might belong. If you are a Christian, you have a new, and you're a new person. And so as we move on to verse 3, Peter wants us to know that having this new idea brings us a new 
Verse 3, Peter writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the The new identity that God has given to his people is such a radical change from the old identity to such a radical change that Peter, copying Jesus, calls it a a new birth. It's not a slight diversion in your life. It's not like you made this decision to follow Jesus and life tweaked a little bit. No, no, no. It's a complete overhaul, a new start, a new birth which is a helpful analogy because it helps us realize, just like Nicodemus did in John chapter 3, is that we can't do that ourselves. You didn't arrange your own birth. You can't arrange your new birth given to you. So you've been given this new birth, and the first big change that that new identity brings is that it gives a new sense of hope. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fail. Now, throughout the Old Testament, God's people were looking forward to an inheritance. They were looking forward to living in the promised land where God would be their God and they would get all the blessings associated with living in that place. They hoped for it. They longed for it. But it was not guaranteed. And at points, God even took it away from them, didn't he? The exile was God removing their share of the inheritance that he had offered them. You see what Peter says here? We too are looking forward to an inheritance. But our inheritance will never perish spoil or fate. It will not be taken away from you, which is quite amazing when you think about the world that we live in, because we live in a place where everything perishes, spoils, and fails. I got a new mountain bike recently. Yesterday, I snapped a spoke and the wheel's not straight anymore. It's starting to perish, two months old. A little bit sad. But as much as I don't like to admit it, one day I'm going to throw that bike in the bin. It's just going to be of no use one day. Long time. But the same thing is going to happen to your car and your house and your relationships, even your own body. I mean, we won't throw it in But you know what I mean? It will perish. It will spoil. It will fade. But in a world where everything dies, God has given us a living hope. A hope that will endure. A hope that will last. A hope that will not die. And because it's a living hope, it's also a growing hope. That's what living things do, don't they? They they grow. Peter's expectation is that the hope that we have will grow stronger the longer we keep walking in. The hope that you have of one day living with God will grow stronger day after day. Each day you can be more and more confident that God has an inheritance prepared for you. And we see where that confidence comes from in verse 5. The reason you can be sure of the hope that you have, the reason that, you can, that your hope can keep growing, 
is because you experience the way that God protects your faith. He says, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God. You see what that means? Every day that you wake up trusting Jesus for your salvation is proof that God is shielding you with power. Every moment that you choose to set your hope on Jesus can give you confidence that he will give you the inheritance that you hope for. By God's rich grace, we have been given a new identity. And because of that new identity, we have a new hope. But finally, as we'll see now, that new hope gives us a new reason to rejoice. In verse 6, Peter continues writing, In all this you rejoice, referring back to the, the hope that he's just been praising God for. In the hope of your future inheritance, you rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now, just pause there. That sounds strange, doesn't it? (laughs) Right now, you rejoice, even though right now you may suffer. Those two things don't always go together in our heads, do they? Most people would think that either you rejoice or you suffer grief, not, not together. Peter says you can rejoice in How do we do this? Well, he gives us, gives us two reasons. First, when you have your eyes set on the hope of eternal glory, even the worst of suffering will seem small. Notice how Peter writes, Now for a little while you may have had suffering. Now, Peter could be writing to people who are suffering a lifetime of They could be living one tragedy after another after another. But even that, even to those who are being persecuted, even those who are risking the loss of their life for their faith, even to those people, Peter can say, you're suffering for justice. It's a tiny amount in light of eternal. Just like a rugby player can keep playing with blood gushing out of their head, because he's got his hope set on the glory of winning, you can rejoice in grief simply because the difficult thing is completely overshadowed by the magnitude of eternal joy. That's the first reason. I'll get rid of that picture in case you're a bit squeamish. Peter gives us a second reason. Now, it's a bit hard to see in the NIV translation, but in verse 6, Peter writes, now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. A better translation is, though now for a little while it may be necessary for you to suffer grief. And what he's saying here is that the suffering that you and I experience, the grief that we experience as disciples of Jesus is not an accident not a sign of God abandoning you, the opposite. The reason you suffer grief in your faith is because God 
deems it necessary. Why is that? Take a look at verse 7. These have come, the trials have come, so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though it is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ you see that? God gives you trial so that your faith will be strengthened, so that you may persevere and receive the thing that you have hoping for, life forever with Jesus. He's doing that on purpose. It's no accident that we're suffering. He's giving them to us because he knows that we need And because the struggles you face are not accidents, but in fact the loving care of the God who chose you to belong to him, you can rejoice in that. You can praise God that he loves you enough to give you the thing that you need to make it to the end. That he loves you enough to bless you with everything you need to endure. Now that's an easy thing to say, but it's a hard thing to do, isn't it? It's all well and good to say, oh, we can rejoice in suffering, but when the suffering comes, question is, what do you do when you can't rejoice? When the suffering comes and you just don't feel Now, I don't want to make light of your suffering because this isn't just a theoretical discussion. Some of you are in deep despair right now, or you may be soon. I don't have all the answers, but what I will say is your ability to rejoice in suffering depends on your ability to recognize hope. And your ability to recognize the hope that you have depends on your ability to believe that you have. Which means if want to have this kind of joy that triumphs over suffering. You want to live with a hope that is living and growing day after day. The thing you need to see is that before the beginning of time, right now and long into the future, the God who rules over all things at heart And so what do we do with all of that? Well, friends, we rejoice. Even if we have to suffer first. It means we love him, even though we don't yet see him. And it means we praise and thank God for giving us the thing that even angels long for. He's amazing. Let me Lord God, we praise you this morning that in your mercy you have given us new birth. We thank you that you have taken us, that you thought of this before the beginning of time, that you, that you took us and made us Not for anything that you saw in us that was pleasing. Not because we could do anything for you, but just out of your sheer mercy. 
you chose for us to be. We thank you for that this morning and we pray that this new identity, this new birth that we have would lead us to having a new hope, a sure hope that we will one day live with, that we will one day get to enjoy you and that that enjoyment will have no bounds, that it will go on forever. Give us this hope we are especially in a world where there is so much that would take away that. Help us to, to see the certainty. Help us to know that by your spirit, you are shielding us, protecting us, bringing us safely. But Lord, as we wait for that day, we live in a world where you have promised us suffering, where we know that there will be trials where we know that there will be persecution, where we know that we will be recipients of hatred because we are you. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to rejoice in it. Help us to know that these difficulties that we experience are light and momentary affliction in the light of eternal joy. Lord, that's a big thing for us to pray. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us do that. Help us set our eyes on, our, on the hope that you give us so that we may persevere. But we thank you that out of your grace, you give us everything we need. To do. That it's not up to us, but it's you who preserve us. And so we thank you for that, Lord. And we pray this.